This is Bloomberg Law with June Grosso from Bloomberg Radio. President Trump has reached a milestone in his attempt to turn the federal judiciary more conservative. The Senate has confirmed likely the last appellate nominee of Trump's first term, bringing to 200 the total number of judicial confirmations since he took office. Joining me is Carl Tobias, a professor at the University of Richmond Law School. How significant are these appellate appointments, which consist of about a third of all seats on the Circuit Court of Appeals, the largest proportion by any president in the past 40 years? Well, it's very significant that we had to go back four decades to the Reagan administration to find all 179 appellate court seats filled. So it is valuable because those courts are the courts of last resort in 99% of cases because so few appeals are taken by the U.S. Supreme Court. So that's your Supreme Court in New York if you live in the Second Circuit. And so it's critically important. And the courts in many of the appeals courts are overloaded with cases, and they need to have all of their judges. And so it's valuable in that sense. That number is nearly as many as former presidents Barack Obama and George W. Bush appointed in two terms. Why so many vacancies in the first term? In the last two years of Barack Obama's administration, Majority Leader McConnell only allowed two appellate court nominees to have votes. And that was the fewest number of appellate judges confirmed since 1898. So that that is what allowed there to be so many vacancies. And then, of course, other judges assumed senior status or retired or died in Trump's administration. And so he was able to fill many, many vacancies, 53. And so now the courts are full. President Trump is taking credit for this, but is more credit deserved by Mitch McConnell than President Trump and perhaps the Federalist Society? Well, yes. I mean, they were the prime movers. I think President Trump just signed the papers, but they were focused in the Senate like a laser on the appeals court vacancies and filling them, so much so that they had 15 doubled-up hearings where they had two appellate nominees and four or five district nominees at one time, so it was very difficult to conduct those hearings. And, for example, in eight years of the Obama administration, that happened only three times. And so they were pushing, and, of course, there were many other problems that arose, for example, the 71 district vacancies, which were as high as 150, and the many emergencies, which were as high as 86. The chair of the Senate Judiciary Committee, Lindsey Graham, is encouraging senior Republican judges to retire. Has that been done so openly before? No, I think he and McConnell both uh, have been uh, publicly encouraging uh, judges to do that. And what's striking is the lack of response. In fact, we now have only four future vacancies, and none of those is at the appellate level. So there's been a resounding lack of interest from both Democratic and Republican appointees to their pleas for them to retire. And of course, that's an important 
personal decision that each judge makes. And I don't think they need any assistance from Lindsey Graham or uh, Leader McConnell uh, on that issue. Uh, and so um, it is unfortunate and seems improper, but doesn't seem that it's necessarily illegal. It, isn't there a question about whether McConnell called up Judge Griffith and um, and got him to retire? And if there's no problem with doing that, why was there an ethical question raised there? Well, there was a question raised, uh, and the D.C. Circuit Chief Judge uh, considered it and then sent it on to the Judicial Conference because he felt there was a conflict of interest uh, on the court, uh, the D.C. Circuit, and I think that was the right call, but then uh, the Chief Justice essentially decided that um, there wasn't really an issue because Judge Griffith had an NPR interview in which he uh, vehemently and clearly denied that he had been influenced by McConnell and said essentially his spouse had been sick for a dozen years and he needed to retire at the earliest moment uh, in September so that he could care for her. And so that was, I think, the end of that inquiry. I've been talking to Carl Tobias of the University of Richmond Law School about President Trump hitting 200 judicial confirmations a cornerstone campaign theme for Trump and his Republican conservative allies. But Trump is also on track to be the first president since Richard Nixon to go a full first term without selecting one black nominee for a federal appeals court. Suppose they did get a vacancy. Right now there's not a single circuit court vacancy, and we're talking only about circuit courts, appellate courts here. Suppose they did get one. Is there enough time before the election to push someone through? Well, if it weren't uh, so apparent from all that they've done uh, that they will fill vacancies, I would say no, because usually it takes a couple of months to do the background checks by the FBI to investigate the nominee and move forward to nomination and then have the confirmation process go through, which takes a couple of months typically. Um, So there wouldn't be time, but... uh, I think all indications from the GOP leadership are that they would move, and certainly on a Supreme Court vacancy, but also I think on any appellate vacancy, and Mitch McConnell has constantly said his motto is leave no vacancies behind. That's not realistic given the calendar and given the number of vacancies, because there will be many dozens of district vacancies, because the calendar just doesn't allow enough time to move all those uh, nominees, even if they had them through the system. About half of those 71 vacancies have nominees now. And so that other half, unless the president moves very quickly and they move quickly through the system, will not be filled by November and probably not by uh, January 20th. So now let's turn to the composition of the courts. Trump is the first president since Nixon to go a full term without selecting a black nominee for a federal appeals court. How significant is that? Well, it's extremely significant. Every president after Nixon has 
done more by way of diversity generally and then as to African-American nominees and judges specifically. So it's troubling that Trump could not find one of the 53 vacancies could be filled by an African-American. And, of course, President Obama just finished eight years of breaking all records for diversity. And so it isn't as if there were no African-Americans on the district bench who could quickly be elevated. And by the way, there were no nominations from African-American females for the district bench. And so out of 153 people confirmed, not one African-American female. Some are saying that if you're looking for real conservatives, it's most likely going to be white men. Do you buy that? No, because if you look at his nominees and appointees, many of them who are diverse nominees and appointees are quite conservative. Uh, Look at Naomi Rao's opinion just last week and many of her other opinions, as well as a number of other appellate and district court nominees and confirmees of this president. And so there are many others who would bring excellent qualifications and are conservative. So they just need to be nominated and confirmed. Many conservatives just outright reject the idea that race should be a part of consideration for appellate court judges. So they don't believe that you need that diversity on the appellate bench that you see in the population of the country. Well, I think there's plenty of opinion and much data that support the idea that there's more public respect for the courts when those courts reflect the people who appear in those courts and the population of the United States. And so I think it's valuable in that way. It also is better for the quality of decision-making when you have diverse and different perspectives on issues that the federal courts address. And I think that you do see bias and prejudice in the federal court system. And I think diverse judges are sensitive to those kinds of issues, perhaps more so than some of their colleagues. And so for all those reasons, I think that diversity is valuable on the federal courts. What I find stunning is that out of 53 appellate court judges, he only appointed two women. And there are certainly lots of conservative women available across the country on different levels in different courts. Absolutely. And, of course, even if it must be a Republican appointee, there are plenty of George W. Bush female appointees who are very qualified. Uh, Amy St. Eve is one of those two women you're talking about. She was elevated from the Northern District of Illinois and is on the Seventh Circuit. She's very highly respected and quite conservative. And so there really is no excuse for that, given how long uh, many women have been in the profession, how experienced and well-qualified they are. And so it should be very easy for the administration to find those qualified people, not to mention the state Supreme Courts, um, many of which have numbers of highly qualified conservative women sitting on the bench now. 
one thing that he can be credited with is that he exceeded both Obama and Bush in appointing Asian Americans. Of the 53 appellate judges, there were eight people of color, one Hispanic, and seven Asian Americans. Do they stand out more than other candidates? Well, I don't know. Uh, I think that's hard to gauge. Uh, certainly, there are many well-qualified Asian Americans uh, who could serve, but the disproportion vis-a-vis, for example, African Americans or Latinos at the appellate level is concerning. Um, and I think there, the administration just um, needed to make more of an effort uh, to find diverse people. That's not uh, criticism of the people appointed. Many of them are very qualified uh, among the Asian American um, nominees and appointees to the federal bench. You know, when you look at this and you see the lack of diversity, is it because the NAACP told Bloomberg Law that they tried to reach out, but that President Trump's administration wasn't interested in working with them as prior administrations have? Well, that's probably true um, and a problem. But um, there are many, uh, I expect, people who um, are fine lawyers who are um, Latinos and African-Americans who uh, may or may not be members of the Federalist Society. There clearly is a pipeline for the appellate court. A uh, very high percentage of, of confirmees were uh, Federalist or are Federalist Society members. Um, and that group has had inordinate impact on uh, selection of appellate nominees and judges in this administration. Uh, and there's a real question in many people's minds whether an outside group should have that kind of influence on selection. I wanted to discuss something else which I found very interesting. Um, so there's been this backlash since Justice Neil Gorsuch authored the opinion in the LGBTQ decision on job discrimination. And apparently at one of the confirmation hearings, two senators were going into detail with the nominees about textualism and originalism into real detail. Explain what that was about. Well, I think Senator Hawley from Missouri is one of them, and he's threatened the White House by saying we'll be watching closely to make sure that um, any Supreme Court vacancy, and I think by derivation any other vacancy, be filled with people who are... um, in agreement with our views on how to uh, interpret the Constitution. Um, they're entitled to ask the questions. Um, they don't like it when Democrats ask questions like that. Um, but uh, I think that we'll see how, what happens in, into the future. Um, but I do agree that, um, that there's a feeling that the Republicans have appointed people and they expect them to uh, share their views. Um, and if they don't, as Chief Justice Roberts uh, did this morning in the abortion case out of Louisiana um, and in other cases, then I think you'll hear criticism from uh, the GOP. So does that show that 
you can't absolutely 100% get a judge who goes your way every time. Yes, of course. And um, the hope, of course, is that everyone, no matter who appoints them to the Supreme Court and the other federal courts, uh, will shed their political views and personal views when they take on the road and that uh, they'll be open-minded and fair-minded and try to decide each case on the law and the facts. Thanks, Carl. That's Carl Tobias at the University of Richmond Law School. And that's it for this edition of Bloomberg Law. I'm June Grosso. Thanks so much for listening. And remember to tune into the Bloomberg Law Show weeknights at 10 p.m. Eastern right here on Bloomberg Radio.